Welcome to Ask Peggy About Your Finances, because prosperity is so much more than money. Brought to you by writer, speaker, and certified financial planner, Peggy Doviak. Hello and welcome to the Ask Peggy About Your Finances show. My name is Peggy Doviak and I am a certified financial planner practitioner. This is a show for you to help you understand your money. Why does the stock market go up and down? What are the economic forces behind why that happens? We look at financial legislation, those laws that are passed that impact your money. In the Plan the Prosperity section, we look at financial planning topics in more detail to help you understand some of the nuts and bolts behind why different sorts of financial situations impact you the way they do. And then finally, in the Ask Peggy section, that's your opportunity to ask me a question. So if you'd like to do that, go to askpeggy.com, A-S-K-P-E-G-G-Y.com, and you'll see a box where you can insert your question. There'll be some contact information, so I'll make sure we've got all the details right, and then we'll answer it in a way on the air so it can be educational. So let's get started with the Bulls and Bears market report for the week ending May 3rd, 2019. And I just can't believe it's already May. I can't believe that it's almost summer. But last week was very flat in the market. The Dow went down 0.14%, so it was virtually flat. The S&P 500 went up 0.2%, so again, really flat. The NASDAQ went up 0.22%. Gold dropped by a little more than half a percent. Oil, May crude, went down 1.5%. And then the 10-year Treasury yield was up slightly, a little bit over 2.5%. 2.522% is the current um, 10-year Treasury yield. Now, the good news about the yield going up is it's beginning to trickle all the way down into bank interest rates. So if you haven't been to your local bank recently, it might be a good time to go and see what sort of rates they have for what sort of short-term options they have for you. You know, the advantage of going to your bank is that these different money market types accounts usually don't have fees associated with them like they would if you went to a financial advisor. So it's always nice to start with your CD search or your money market search at your bank. And then if there's nothing good there, then go to your financial advisor and look there. But um, banks are always great. So the reason the market ended flat rather than down is because of the unemployment numbers that came in the end of last week. And the drop in unemployment is the lowest rate since December 1969. That sounds great. I mean, it's an amazing number. It's like the lowest number in 49 years. But sometimes it's really important to go past the top headline. If you start with unemployment is down, that's awesome. But the problem is unemployment is down because people quit looking for work. So unemployment actually measures the people who are seeking a job who can't find one. So when you look at that unemployment data, it's people who are out there in the workforce trying to find a job. 
So two things will impact that that number. One is the person finds the job, so now they're not looking for the job, and that would be unemployment going down for a great reason because people are finding work. But the unemployment rate will also go down for the people who just quit looking because they're no longer part of that measured、um, workforce of people looking for a job, and that's what's happened. People are no longer Looking for work, and that's a bad reason for unemployment to be going down. You know, possibly、um, early retirement is part of this. Although I have to say that the data analysis that I was reading that said, you know, well, it's probably retirement. I wouldn't have expected those people to be part of the unemployment rate in the first place, but you know there could be some macro shifts and changes in how things are measured. So you know we have a lot of baby boomers retiring right now, and so they're obviously not looking for work, and so that's part of the answer. But then there's a bigger concern that people are just giving up. And they're not able to find the job, and so they're no longer looking for the job. And the economists who were analyzing last week's job number said that the problem was they had just quit looking for work. So that's not a good thing. That's a bad thing. So there's a couple of takeaways from that. The first takeaway is always read past the headline. Sometimes a headline indicates that something. Has a certain characteristic or looks a certain way, and then when you dig one level deeper into it, you discover that that really isn't actually accurate. But we live in the Twitter generation; we like our big headlines. It's really important as a consumer of news for you to go beyond the headlines to see what's underlying it. You know, so that's my advice on that, and so that's most of last week's market information. I don't usually talk about upcoming events, but I am really concerned with the trade talks getting、um, off track again. I think it was yesterday. It was certainly over the weekend. Today is a Monday, May sixth, and the trade talks are in trouble. Asia just cratered on their Monday trading. Remember, they're way ahead of us, so it's tomorrow in Asia right now. But the Monday stock market was really bad in Asia. We were down two hundred and fifty points, which isn't horrible. But it's just not good, and I just got back from a conference, and a really smart market money manager, market analyst, was looking at things, and he said, "Oh, we'll make a deal with China because we have to." And I wish I completely believed that because I'm not sure that those standard tried and true rules of the economy necessarily apply right now. I realize that I talk tariffs all of the time, but. Certainly, it will be curious to see, and it's also interesting that this time, for some reason, the market freaked out about it. You know, in the past, we've threatened the tariffs, and really, nothing's happened. We've we've had a lot of talk about a lot of scary things. The market hasn't moved at all. For some reason, this time, the market's moving. I think it should have our attention. I don't really know what it means, but I will keep an eye on it. Thank you to Voices of Oklahoma KVOY 104.5 FM for the opportunity to share my ideas. Thank you also to Sports Talk 1400 in Norman for production and studio assistance. Welcome back to the legislative update of the Ask Peggy About Your Finances show. 
And today, I want to talk about the Federal Reserve. And I realize that when I start talking economics, sometimes people's eyes roll back in their heads. But the Federal Reserve plays a huge, important role in our economy. You know, the Fed is tasked with two things. One is keeping unemployment low, and one is controlling inflation. And they do that with actually a relatively narrow box of tools where they put money in or take money out of the money flow within the United States. So if they buy treasuries, that means that they take the treasuries and they hold them, but then they put the cash into the system. If they sell treasuries and people have to buy them, that means they're pulling cash out of the system. They can also make adjustments to overnight rates and do a couple of other things. But basically, what the Fed is tasked with doing is controlling the money supply, which then controls everything else. Because think about it for a minute. When interest rates are really low or the money supply is really good, it's easy to do expansion. It's easy for companies to take on debt. It's easy for companies to hire. If you pull some money out of that system, it becomes more difficult for the companies to do that. And so maybe you're thinking, well, why would you ever want to do that? Why wouldn't you want a great business environment all the time? Because when business environments get way ahead of themselves, they'll cause multiple problems. The first is inflation. If a business cycle just roars and roars and nothing backs it off, you'll get into a huge inflationary situation. Remember back in the 70s, you know, everybody talks about, oh, well, we had great interest rates in the 70s, or they were so high. We also had horrible inflation. So the actual value of your money wasn't doing any better than it's doing today because we were paying it all out in inflation. And so that's what the Fed does in a nutshell. It's not just the chairman of the Federal Reserve. There's a whole um, committee, a whole group of other Federal Reserve um, hierarchy, for lack of another word, who help him make those decisions, who help him um, try to come to the conclusions that he needs to come to. And one of the things that the Federal Reserve has always been is somewhat apolitical. Now, I know that from time to time, politics sneak into almost everything, and I'm certainly not going to say that politics never gets inside the Federal Reserve, but for the most part, it doesn't. That's why all the presidents hate all the Federal Reserve chairmen, because they don't listen to them, because the Fed does what it thinks is good to keep the economy on track. Of course, the presidents just want an expansionary period. So anytime a Fed is contracting, the presidents always put out at it. You know, that's just how it's been, time in memoriam. The problem that we have this time is we have a slightly more verbal president right now who is not at all shy about expressing his displeasure about things. And he's been really put out at the Fed chairman, Jerome Powell, also called Jay Powell. Um, I actually didn't realize that was the same person until I heard the nickname used with him. He's a smart guy. You, you haven't heard me criticize him much on this show. I think he really is trying to do a great job. 
Well, he's really come under the attack of President Trump because he has been pulling back on, um, he's been raising interest rates, which would cool the market a little bit, cool the economy a little bit. We're 10 years into an expansion. The problem is the only easy tool that the Fed has to solve an economic crisis is by lowering rates. When rates are as crazy low as they've been, Fed doesn't have anywhere they can go. You know, in Europe, it actually hit a point here a year or two ago that the government bonds were paying a negative yield, which meant that people were actually paying to hold a security they know wouldn't go down in value. Well, I have a feeling if we tried to do that in the United States, there would be rioting on the streets. So it's really important to, yes, not raise rates too fast. We, we haven't, by the way, in my opinion. Um, but to get the rates so that we got a little wiggle room and the market is hot and the economic data is great and there's nothing wrong with it, except it really, really annoyed the president. And so you remember I've talked on earlier shows about how we were planning on raising interest rates this year and a little bit into 2020. All of that's off the table. Now um, Jerome Powell is saying, no, I'll leave it alone. Well, the president isn't happy yet that he doesn't have as much control over the Federal Reserve as he wants. And so he's been trying to nominate replacements for people that work with Jay Powell on making decisions. And remember that the first person that he nominated was Herman Cain, um, the presidential candidate who used to own a chicken, um, a chicken company. Um, they, they sold fried chicken. And so Herman Cain and his 999 plan, if you remember, that was going to be our new, um, going to be new on the Fed board. Herman Cain is a smart guy and he knows a lot about chicken and I'm sure he's a nice guy and I'm not going to be critical, but he has absolutely no central banking experience. It was a horrible decision. And so he stepped down when it looked like um, he wasn't going to actually be able to get approved by the House and the Senate. We're like, yeah, no, we don't think so. So then the president put forward Stephen Moore. Now, Stephen Moore has a really checkered social past. And if you want more information on that, you can Google Stephen Moore and find out. I mean, not, not a real great human being. On top of that, again, knows absolutely nothing about central banking policy. Herman Cain and Stephen Moore were chosen because they verbally said that they would support Trump on keeping interest rates low and they would back the Trump agenda. So Trump nominated them because that's what we do. Well, it got so ugly, and some of Stephen Moore's past came back to haunt him to the level that, again, um, Congress is like, yeah, no, we're not going to do this. So he has also resigned. So for right now, the Federal Reserve still has its independence. There hasn't been anyone put into the board that would have a really strong political agenda that would be motivated only from political reasons. We'll have to wait and see. I'm sure the next nominee will be as interesting as the last two nominees. It'll be curious to see how it plays out. But so far, the Fed is relatively independent, and I hope it can stay that way. Thank you to Voices of Oklahoma, KVOY 104.5 FM, for the opportunity to share my ideas. 
Thank you also to Sports Talk 1400 in Norman for production and studio assistance. Welcome back to the Plan Your Prosperity section of the Ask Peggy About Your Finances show. My name is Peggy Doviak, and today we're going to talk about how to set financial goals. But I don't want to start there. I want to ask you first if you're a dreamer. Do you like to sit around and imagine how things could be if you could make this and that work out, or maybe if a situation would resolve itself? And so you're dreaming about how you want things to be. You're dreaming about what would happen if you got a college degree or if you got a certification or if you got married or you had got kids or if you got divorced. There's many different things that we sit around and we think about. The nice thing about financial planning is it is very supportive of dreams because your financial dreams are what you have to start with before you can create a financial goal. Now, financial dreams and financial goals aren't the same thing. Let me give you an example. Um, someone came into my office once and they said, I want you to make me rich, <laughs> which actually is not that unusual of a statement for a person to make. And generally, they're kidding. And generally, well, they're not, but, but they know that I really can't just make them rich. And so, you know, we kind of laugh about it and we get down to business. But this guy was really serious. I said, I want you to make me rich. It's like, okay, how much money is that? Well, he said, I want enough money to have everything that I want. I said, so what do you want? And he said, and I'm not kidding, well, I want those things that will make me rich. It's like, oh, my word. Okay. So here's the problem with a dream. Dreams are vague. It's really easy to sit around and dream about being rich. If you don't do anything about it, you're not going to be rich unless you win the lottery or inherit a bunch of money. Generally, to become rich, we need a plan. So what that means is, first of all, you need to define what rich means to you. And let's talk about your retirement for a minute. You know, that's generally why people come to see me is they're trying to plan for their retirement. They want to make sure they have enough money. So rather than using a rule of thumb, which always makes me nervous, I don't like rules of thumb. I think they're dangerous and scary and have all kinds of issues. You know, the rule of thumb is you'll spend 80% of what you spend while you're working in retirement. That is absolutely not necessarily true. You may be one of those people who saved money really great all the way through your working career with the idea you're going to have fun when you retired. You might actually spend more money in the first few years of retirement than you did when you were working. In fact, sometimes people do that and they think, well, I'll spend less money later. The problem with that is medical bills then cause the later spending to be, um, to be higher. So I want you to be specific. I want you to decide what do you want to do in retirement. If you're wanting to take a cruise a year, that's going to take more money. If your idea of a great summer is to drive out to the local lake and maybe do some camping and maybe have some picnics, that's going to be a much less expensive um, retirement plan. Do you think you'll have your house paid off? If your house is paid off, is there a chance you're going to want a vacation house? 
Because, you know, a lot of people, the idea is just pay off the house and be able to live there and you're great. And, and it works really well. And when your house is paid off, yeah, generally your cash flow improves by quite a bit. But then there's another kind of person who decides that they'd really like to have a vacation home. And there's nothing wrong with that. Except if you buy a vacation home, you're going to have a mortgage probably for your entire retirement. So you really need to get specific. You need to know what you spend today so you can get a sense of what things will cost if you live like you do today in the future, or if you make some, some reductions or some additions, and then you need to be very specific about your goal. So rather than saying, make me rich, what you might say is, I want to take one major trip a year, and I think that trip will cost me X number of dollars, and I want to be able to do that for the first 15 years that I'm retired. Okay, now we're getting somewhere, because in order to turn a dream into a goal, it needs to have several characteristics. First is there needs to be a dollar value associated with it. And your planner can help you convert and adjust for inflation, but you need to know what it costs now. You need to know how far into the future that dream occurs. So if the person who tells me they want a major trip is 40, they have 25 years to save for it. If they're 60, they have five years to save for it, or they're going to need to um, defer retirement a little bit. So how long do you have to save the money? And then if it's an ongoing thing, how many years do you want it to occur? You know, this person said, I want to travel for 15 years every year with a trip that costs this much money. I can totally work with this. Now we look at your risk tolerance. We figure out a reasonable portfolio return. We can come up with how much money it will cost you to meet that financial goal. Now, sometimes you have more goals than you have money. So the other part of financial planning is prioritizing the goal. What is it that you want to do the most? And that's where you start planning from. And then maybe some of the goals don't happen because they're not as important to you. That's okay. When you really create great financial goals and you work with a planner and you write it all out, it takes the pressure off because you know what you have to do. And anytime you can have a plan, you can be much more successful than if you don't. Thank you to Voices of Oklahoma, KVOY 104.5 FM, for the opportunity to share my ideas. Thank you also to Sports Talk 1400 in Norman for production and studio assistance. Welcome back to the Ask Peggy segment of the Ask Peggy About Your Finances show. Remember, you can ask me a question by going to askpeggy.com and type in the question and we'll be in contact with you. So today's question is, Peggy, I've just graduated from college and I have a job. What are the first steps I should take? Well, let me start out by congratulating you. Congratulations to all of the graduates. You've worked really hard. Now, hopefully, you're going to be able to go out and find a job in your field, and everything will be awesome, and the world is bright and shiny when you are first graduating from college. So I'm really excited from you. 
and if you're graduating from high school, congratulations on that too. If you're going to college, that's awesome. And if you're going to work, that's great. This advice applies to all graduates, especially those who are now entering the workforce. So the first advice that I would give you is if you have student debt, go back in and look at all of the requirements about when you have to start paying things back. Do not let your student debt go into default. When your student debt is in default, they can seize your paycheck, cause you all kinds of problems. Remember, student loan debt also doesn't discharge in bankruptcy. So the first thing you've got to do is create a plan for how you're going to begin to pay this bill back. I would advise you not to pay it back very much in advance right now. So don't take like your first five paychecks and try to pay the whole thing off. There's a lot of talk on Capitol Hill about doing some kind of student loan forgiveness or the ability to work it off. I would pay my student loan exactly on time, exactly the amount that they want, but I wouldn't necessarily right now pay it in advance. You can always do that here in a couple of years if nothing happens, but I'm really expecting legislation. So now the next thing you need to do is look at your salary, look at your bills, and try very hard to live on your salary without using a credit card that helps you build up debt. Because credit card debt in your 20s is just backbreaking. You're not making enough money. You're probably not in an earning potential that if you get a lot of certain, a lot of credit card debt, you can suddenly pay it off in one lump sum. So you need to try really hard to live within your means. Additionally, if you can, this is a super good time to start an emergency fund. Why? Because you've got a job. You're probably earning more than you're used to earning. So if you'll take just 10% of that money off the top and lay it back to start creating an emergency fund. Remember, eventually an emergency fund is six months of your bills. I, we're not even going to go there yet, okay? I just want you to start saving money. I want you to spend less than you make. If you spend less than you make, you're setting up great habits. So put a little money, 5%, 10%, whatever you can afford, even 2 or 3%, into a bank account and save it for those things that go wrong so you don't have to put it on credit cards. If you have a job with a company that has a retirement plan, and especially if that plan has a match, I want you to enroll in the plan as early as you can and try very hard to contribute into it up to the amount of the match. So if they match 3% of your salary, try really hard to put 3% of your salary in. You know, if you're in your early 20s, you don't know what your retirement looks like yet, but you know it's going to cost something. So go ahead and start. The more money you can put into your 401k, the more money you can put into savings is great. But I'm not stupid. I know how hard this is. I know how you don't have a lot of money. And maybe you're looking to get married and maybe you're looking to start a family and that's all great. And I'm not going to sit here and throw cold water on that. I am going to say that if you can put a little money in the bank, 
You know, your emergency fund isn't invested. It's just a little money in the bank. If you can save a little money towards retirement, either in a 401k plan or maybe a Roth IRA or a traditional IRA, you're really setting up great habits. You're putting yourself into the position where suddenly you're 50 and you realize you never bothered saving any of this. And so now you're trying to play catch up and you can't retire. So if you can start today, it's fantastic. Also, be really careful when you sign up for your company's benefit package that you understand what you're signing up for. But otherwise, I am super proud of you. I am super happy for you. I wish you nothing but the best, and I really, really hope that you have nothing but prosperity in your future. Well, again, I can't believe how fast the show went. I will see you next week. Have a good Mother's Day. Bye. Thank you to Voices of Oklahoma, KVOY 104.5 FM, for the opportunity to share my ideas. Thank you also to Sports Talk 1400 in Norman for production and studio assistance. You may submit personal finance questions to the Ask Peggy Facebook page and learn more at PeggyDoviak.com. And remember, prosperity is so much more than money. <laughs>